You are listening to Creating Phenomenal for Your Life, episode number 17, Rethinking Good. This is Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, a life and weight loss coach, and a family medicine doctor. This podcast is about mindset. What contributes to a life that thrives versus one that is stuck? We'll talk about many things, some related to coaching, some related to health, and some related to your questions, thoughts, and prompts. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to celebrate where we're at and give form to where we're going in our perfectly imperfect journey to a phenomenal life. And give high fives along the way. Thanks for being here. So welcome back. We just celebrated my husband's birthday this past weekend. Super fun. Super fun to have a small group of people that just want to add value to each other's lives. It makes for a great birthday celebration and a great weekend. So as I sit here, the topic that comes to mind, not only comes to mind, but my heart is thinking about it as well. It's rethinking the idea of good. So what does that mean? It's evaluating the comfort and the safety that good provides. And it's good in any capacity. So a good meal, a good friend, a good date. And it's looking at it from the perspective of how good can take up space in our lives, but never really lead to more. In fact, it really can lead to us wanting and being stuck. So I've heard a lot about this topic in the past, either through coaching classes For us to evolve, we have to be willing to let go of good, to move beyond it, and coach ourselves to detach from it. But more recently, I've been listening to podcasts on organizing a physical space that applies to organizing our mental space as well. So we're going to use a closet, my closet specifically, as the focal point for this episode. So if you're like me, you lead a good life. You know, the kind of life that's comfortable. There's love and experiences and friendships, and it's good. Is it over the moon? No. And I'm not saying that to slight anyone or to slight myself either. There's not a belief that it should be. It's good. And the funny thing about good is that it's a good place to be. So what is good? It's got all the basics. Consistent food, clean water, hot water, a home, a bed, electricity. Our country's protected. Our community is protected. We have internet access and clothes to wear and people in our lives and dogs. You might even hear my dogs in the background. It's more than the essentials needed for basic survival. The funny thing is that when we want great, what happens in our minds? And I'm talking about good with several exclamation points after it. So what happens is the onset of a mind rebellion. It's kind of like an electrical circuit that becomes overloaded and it flips the breaker bringing up lots of thoughts that may sound something like this. You already have enough. You don't need more. You're going to mess things up. People are going to talk about you. You don't want that. If you were meant to have that, it would have been easy. You're too old. You're too old to start over. You're too old to struggle. Did you notice that one? You're too old to start over. Like we're ever really starting over as an adult. Most of the time we're adding to the skills and knowledge we have and maybe just applying it differently. But our mind wants to tell us another story. And these thoughts are more examples of the primitive wiring of our minds. 
stay the same, stay safe, take no risks because it will kill you. And it took me all of like 30 seconds to come up with that list because they've been so well rehearsed in my mind. So think for a moment, what does good look like for you? So pause here, write it down. What is good for you? What does it look like, taste like, smell like, feel like, sound like? Use all of your senses. We're going to pause for a moment and write it down. If you can't at this moment, then commit to coming back to this exercise. It's a mind exercise, kind of like push-ups for your brain. Take as much time as you need. So what does good look like? Now let's take the next step. So below this, write down what great looks like for you in your life. The same exercise. What's great? And use all of your senses. Nothing is trivial. So great might look like your glasses or a hair tie that's your favorite, or a memento, like the hat that your son or daughter wore home from the hospital. Maybe it looks like sloppy dog kisses. So what's great for you, about your life, in your life, part of your life? And you can go back to your list of good and put a star next to what anything you want to upgrade or reclassify as great. So we're pushing your mind to go to a place that it may not naturally go. We're going to play tricks with it or games with it for a little bit. And I'll tell you, for many people, it does not naturally go where it's instructed to. It wants to go other places and it wants to lead us rather than allow us to lead. So do note, this trick is far more effective when you're sitting with a writing instrument and actually putting it down on paper. So pause here. Exhaust your list. Again, what does it look like, feel like, smell like, taste like, sound like? All right, are you ready for another step? (laughs) This is all for you. It's yours to explore. It can be a great gift that you give yourself to see yourself. So we're going to up our game. This will be our last, our last part of the game. What's phenomenal in your life? You knew the word was coming, right? Like, why stop at great? Because really, this is the creating phenomenal podcast, not the creating great podcast. And when I wrote out the script... I could feel a heaviness as I typed in what does phenomenal look like? The heaviness in my chest because my mind immediately wanted to show me everything that wasn't phenomenal. Like it wanted to start a list. And I had to nudge my mind back and say, no, that's not the list. The list is what is phenomenal. It doesn't matter if how much time I spent with my dogs. It doesn't matter how the dinner turned out. What's phenomenal? What can I put on my list? So if this is coming up for you, just take a moment, take a breath, take as many moments as you need to feel what you feel, see what you're thinking, allow it to come through. Kind of like I did with the heaviness in my chest, I breathed through it, I saw the thoughts that were coming up and then said, no, we're not going there. When we push our minds to do something it's not used to doing, it brings up that default thinking or the personal thinking. Or for some people, the not enough thinking. You can pause here. And when you're ready, hit play and we'll keep going. If you don't need to pause, then start on your list. What's phenomenal in your life? And when you're done, challenge yourself to increase that list by 50%. So if you've got four things on the list, increase it by two. If you have 10 things, increase it by five. Really push your mind to seeing what's phenomenal. You're welcome to go back. You can double star anything that's on your good list or your great list. 
You can upgrade anything. You get to decide what phenomenal is. It's your life. And you get to put things in whatever category that you want to. And again, we are working to shift your thinking at least for a few minutes to push your mind into possibly unknown territory and see what happens. And to shift it in a way that encourages you to step back and see your life rather than be in your life, at least for a few minutes. So you get to see your thinking rather than being caught up in your thinking. And from there, you can notice possibility and potential. So good takes up space. We can never have enough good to make great. Here's an example. If I have 20 good towels, that's going to take up a lot of space. And there's really no need for more towels to include great towels or phenomenal towels. (laughs) This example comes to mind as I start thinking about a Christmas wish list. So why would somebody want more when they already have 20? Notice the thinking. 20 good towels are going to stick around for a long time. They're going to keep me comfortable enough. Not be exciting to take out from the linen closet, but it's okay. I'll just be like, it's okay. They're good. They're good enough. They get the job done. That there's no desire or room for great towels. And there's really no sense of taking a risk. Why would I want to even try? What if it's not even that good? And look at the reduction. So if I have 20 good towels, maybe that's the same as four great towels. I'm going to have to trade 20 of something for four of something else. And it's uncomfortable. Like what if they don't wash well, or they don't feel as good or dry as nicely? And now in your mind, what if we went from 20 good to two phenomenal? What kind of thoughts would that bring up? Oh, they're expensive. What if they get ruined, ripped, stained? What if they don't work? I'm not going to have a backup. I've only have two. I'm curious what goes through your mind as we use this example. Like how readily would you trade 20 good towels for the potential of two phenomenal ones? Because it's no guarantee, right? We've got to try them out and see if they really are phenomenal. Was it any of the thoughts that we mentioned before when we were discussing wanting more? Thoughts like, that's silly. You have enough. Why would anyone do that? It's too expensive. What if you don't get it right? That would just be wasteful. And you can play this mind game with anything and really see what thinking comes up. So going back to our example, why would you do that? I'll tell you some reasons. Phenomenal touches more than one of our senses. There's the beauty of opening the linen closet and seeing only our favorite towels in our favorite color. There's the slowing down and hanging it up nicely on the towel rack. There's the feel of the towel on our skin, the way it dries in between the uses, the durability of it over time, and reliability. And there's also the mindset that says, I'm going to keep trying until I find the one, the one that's phenomenal, the one I don't want to give up. So it gives us practice and confidence to let go, to let go of the idea that we need more rather than we need less, less of the right item. The goal of this mini exercise that we just did is to really cast light on how good can be holding us back. It's not asserting that you or I need to change. It's really a demonstration on why and how we don't change all of the justifications that come into play because we have good. Why risk it? It also shows what we're missing out on because we never considered a possibility of trading or possibility of what phenomenal looks like and that it can be ours. 
It's rather fun, though, to think about opening a linen closet and only seeing joy, feeling joy, smelling joy, and then when it's time to use it, that experience as well. So let's shift and talk about closets. I have a small shared walk-in closet, and it contains good clothes, which means good condition or good enough. They're clean. I wear maybe half of them week after week, and the rest are special occasion, which really means never. For sure, my wardrobe is not the most exciting thing about me. So the clothes that aren't worn, they sit on the shelf. Sometimes they're too nice and I don't want to ruin them. They're too expensive and I don't want to replace them. They're not inspiring. They don't fit anymore. Or they were a gift and I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So here's a great closet. Every item is used in some capacity for its intended purpose. The gown is worn yearly. The holiday sweater is worn seasonally. Everything fits and it's comfortable. And every item that doesn't fit is let go of. It's not a match. It doesn't have a job or purpose at this time. And we're not waiting for one. Let's contrast it. Here's a phenomenal closet. Are you ready? Every item is loved. Like, can't wait to put it on, can't wait to wear it. I love looking at it. Anything that goes into the closet has all the support it needs. If it's socks, they both match. If it's pants that needs a belt, it has a belt. If it's shoes, it has the matching shoes, and it's all been laundered or repaired. There's plenty of space in the closet. I'm not tripping over everything to get something. There's also plenty of light. We can see. We can see each item. There are only items that inspire or encourage or bring out my best self. And it doesn't matter what category of clothes it fits into. There are no reminders of what we used to be because that clutters the space and it clutters the thinking. We don't need clothes from when we were 50 pounds heavier or 50 pounds lighter. We don't need to shame ourselves. No fat clothes or skinny clothes. And gifts do not need to just sit on the shelf. We accept who we are for what we are and we surround ourselves with what brings out the best. So imagine that. Having everything in one space that you love and looking forward to using it. And everything else will get a new home. It doesn't matter who gave the gift. Because you can love the person without having the item in your life. It doesn't matter how much it cost. The price was already paid. There's no money coming back. Whatever it cost, it was. And you had the experience. It doesn't matter where it came from. You don't have to keep it. So a closet full of good items really doesn't inspire. And it doesn't have room for great or phenomenal. There's really no incentive to change. And when you first go through the closet, it can be painful to look at because of all the thinking that comes up. It probably contains items that remind us what we were going to do or who we were or who we think we can no longer be. And that can lead to shame. So this weekend, it was very clear that my good closet has perpetuated complacency. I have enough. Some things I have more than enough and I don't use them. And I don't need more. It's good enough. But good doesn't create phenomenal. So like we discussed earlier, 
Good is taking up a lot of space and it's not providing a return. So it's time to create space. And I chose to start with my closet, but there are plenty of parallels that can apply to other areas of my life. So here's what came out of the closet. About half of the clothes, they don't fit, aren't inspiring, are starting to be run down, they're uncomfortable, or they don't get worn. A receipt for my high school graduation ring many, many years ago. Why that's in there, I have no idea. Shoes that are overly worn or too dirty to be cleaned or no longer fit. A now consolidated shoebox of mementos moved to a memento location because it doesn't need to be in the closet. Socks that are not needed or not worn or don't match. A purse that I use, but I'm really not excited about it. I've had it at least 10 years. It's quite plain. It's now uninspiring. And lots of jewelry that hasn't been worn in at least five years. These are all things that I held on to because they're good. But by doing that, what I was allowing is space to be occupied with something that wasn't providing a return. So cleaning out the closet created space. Created a lot of space. And as the space opened up, so did the possibility of what can fill that space in the future. Not required, but what can be there. What it'll look like, and feel like, and smell like, and wear like. And how I'm going to think and feel differently because I'm purchasing it or acquiring it as the person I am now. With the standards that I set. It has to be love. It has to fit well. I have to be capable of maintaining it. So it's exciting to think that in a closet full of things that I love, that each day can be a source of joy with picking out what to wear. How do you choose? When everything's your favorite, how do you choose? I want that problem. (laughs) Did I make it sound easy? So here's the truth. It required three different passes, meaning I started and I looked through the things that were easy to part with. Haven't worn them in years, really had no attachment, just kind of kept them around. And then I went a little deeper and I looked at things that had more of a financial attachment. They were expensive or they were purchased with a certain intention that maybe didn't come through. And then finally I went deep. One item in particular, a leather jacket that my husband purchased years ago for Christmas. He planned for it, saved for it, shopped for it and surprised me. And it's beautiful, like no joke. The way it's sewn together, it's just beautiful. It hangs nicely on the hanger, which it has for years because it doesn't wear as nice as it looks. So I totally could keep it for sentimental value because I don't want to hurt his feelings, maybe. And it's pretty. But here's what came to mind. I'm keeping it with the intention of not using it. My mind isn't going to change. It hasn't in years. As I try it on now, I still have that feeling that this is not quite right. And what I'm really doing is keeping it away from somebody that could love it, genuinely love it and wear it. And one more thing, I can love the purchase and the effort without keeping the item. So I allowed myself to feel my thoughts, observe the thinking that it triggered and remain calm. And I could see the judgment. Sometimes for me, sometimes on how other people are going to feel or react. 
And I could take a step back and then intentionally decide what I wanted to think. And what's most important? I want this jacket to be loved and used and worn out someday. And here's what I could do. I could invite my husband into the conversation and say, this is where I'm at. Thank you for the gift and the love you put into it. And this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And it's amazing what that can open up, what kind of conversations, because it opens up space. So physically, it opens up space in my closet, but asking those questions now opens up space in our relationship. Space that we can choose to unclutter, that we can choose to look at what's there, that we can choose how to be supportive of each other as we transition to new stages of our lives. And we could do it openly and honestly. And what's kind of funny is after I did that, I started thinking about other gifts that he's given me that I've not thought about for years and thought, you know what? I really want to go wear that. The pair of earrings for my birthday. I'm going to go find those. I'm going to try them on. I hadn't thought about them for years until parting with an item that I didn't use uncovered what I could use. It uncovered possibilities. So here's the framework for cleaning my closet. First, everything had to physically move out of the closet. It needed to be an empty space. Nothing could take up real estate unless it was intentionally placed back in the closet. Next, every item was either an absolute yes or a no. There was no in-between. If the answer wasn't absolutely yes, this is staying, then the answer was no. Every item must fit be in a wearable condition, be repaired within a week if it needed to be, or cleaned within a week, or be moved on. Any item that needed a match, like shoes or a belt or a tie, it couldn't go back into the closet until it either had a match or I decided it was going to move on. And everything and the only things that were put back in the closet were love and would be used and would bring joy. Every thought that was triggered was acknowledgement for whatever it was. This is personal thinking. This is scarcity. This is disappointment. Disappointment in myself. This is fear that somebody's feelings are going to be hurt. I saw the thinking. I felt it. And I allowed it to pass on. Because it was not going to derail the progress or the process. Anytime my mind wanted to just languish in overwhelm, oh, I don't know, what if? I caught on and reminded myself that that was the price to grow into the next version of myself because it's all really about creating space and it's not something that anyone else can do. I have to create it. There was full permission in the process to love the person and the memory without having to keep the item. And then finally, I was going to find joy both in the experience and the outcome. And the mental weight that was shed at the end was amazing. Because being surrounded by what is loved and used is a completely different experience than a full closet. It doesn't leave any room for doubt or scarcity or shaming. So all of this is about thinking, our thinking that comes up. It can really be applied to anything. Today we're talking about a closet But a closet could also be a metaphor for something in your life. What is it? 
this framework can also be what you use for your thinking or for your closet. Start there. Make it a game. See what that opens up for you. And then see what you can learn from it. Good to phenomenal. So sometimes we pass through great, but it's really about passing through uncertainty. Uncertainty of what it's going to look like or when it's going to arrive. But I'll tell you, it's so worth it. And it's available for you. And this is what coaching is all about. It's taking your mind to a place it doesn't naturally want to go. It's learning to embrace discomfort and really create more for your life, usually by doing less. Because it's not about working harder. It's about working through the discomfort rather than the natural tendency to run away from it. And from that, you can surround yourself with the life that you love. I'm sending you all my best, especially as you go tackle your closet or whatever metaphor that stands for, for you. And I'm sending a high five. I'll see you next time. Are you getting enough sleep or is your mind disrupting the process? I'm so pleased to offer the Better Sleep for High Achievers and Overthinkers course. It's exactly what you need to tame your mind and fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. It's complimentary and packed full of information that you can use right away. Email me, dina at georgemdcoaching.com, and I'll send you the link.